the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to spend the first two segments of today's program looking at some of the top stories of the last few days and in the second half of this first hour, the lighter side of the news. And then we'll share this week's Christian Outlook. So stick around. There's a lot to cover and I think you'll enjoy it. Well, since the transition to an all-volunteer force in 1973, there's been years when the military services missed their recruiting goals. These include 1999, 2005, and 2018, when either the economy was booming or casualties in a conflict were perceived high. But according to military personnel officials at the Senate hearing last week, 2022 is shaping up to be arguably the most challenging recruiting year since 1973. I was in high school in 1973. Well, the Army recently announced it's been forced to cut its size by 12,000 soldiers because it can't find enough volunteers to fill the ranks. Now, speaking to the challenge, Army Chief of Staff General James McConville, he stated that they are in a war for talent, a war they seemingly can't win. In other words, they're losing. But it isn't just the Army that's struggling. The Air Force's top recruiter warned that the warning lights were flashing for the meeting for their meeting, the two, uh, 2022 goals. The Navy's top personnel officer stated that while they may make their 2022 goals, they will do so only by reducing the uh, delayed entry program from historic norms. Now, this is at a time when a lot of military personnel were simply let go because they declined the uh, covid shot. Even the Marine Corps, the service that normally faces no problems meeting its goals, is struggling this year. Well, the big news is that the number of Americans qualified to join the military without a waiver continues to plummet. Since 2014, the military has been reporting that because of obesity, adverse criminal history, physical problems, drug use and a lack of a high school degree, only 29 percent of Americans qualify to join the military without a waiver. At face value, that alone is an appalling statement about U.S. public health and schooling since military standards don't require a candidate to be a superman or a superwoman, just healthy and educated. And apparently we're having difficulty pulling that off. But it gets even worse. During congressional testimony last week, uh, McConville confirmed the percentage has dropped to only 23 percent. So now just one in four young Americans actually qualify. Even if they want to join the military, they may not qualify. Well, the Department of Defense hasn't officially released the data, so we don't know what is specifically causing the drop in eligibility. It's likely tied to health. American youth fitness is, frankly, miserable. 21.2% of young people, 12 to 19, are obese. Only 51% of high school students attended a physical education class in an average week. But qualified to serve doesn't equal desire to serve, and desire, or propensity as the military calls it, is also declining. 
The latest Department of Defense polling data for youth um, ages 16 to 21 reflects that when they are asked, how likely is it that you would serve in the military? An average is uh, of only 11 percent respond definitely or probably. And that trend is declining. What's causing the drop in interest in joining the military? Well, there are, as you can imagine, a number of factors. Other more lucrative opportunities are available. Companies like Amazon and Starbucks are offering jobs at starting pay of $15 an hour with college benefits. Unemployment is almost down to pre-pandemic levels, although lots of people have just simply declined to work altogether. I don't know about you, but all the restaurants... Um, I patronize sport um, help wanted signs. Well, the public fiasco with the Afghanistan withdrawal shook many Americans confidence in our military to the point that key influencers such as uh, parents and grandparents may exert a negative influence on young people who might be inclined toward military service. Veterans play an important role in promoting the virtues of public service every year. The percentage of veterans in American society declines due to the declining size of the military since World War II. Fewer veterans mean fewer uh, youth are exposed to these great examples of American society. Civil education in U.S. public schools is often atrocious. Half of young adults, 17 to 35, couldn't name the four largest branches of the U.S. military. One in four were unable to name the three branches of the uh, Federal government, it's logical to ask why would a young person decide to join the military if they don't know anything about it or their government, for that matter, um, at a time when the threats to U.S. national security and national interests is soaring. Uh, now is the worst possible time for the military to face a manpower crisis. Russian President Vladimir Putin is on the march in Europe. Chinese President Xi Jinping is uh, threatening Taiwan on almost a daily basis. And perennial bad boys, the Ayatollah in Iran, Chairman Kim Jong-un in North Korea, continue to make trouble for their uh, neighbors and the U.S. The finest weapons in the world are useless without skilled service members to operate them. So what is to be done? Well, the Pentagon needs to uh, get serious about recruiting. That's one thing. Uh, But there are others as well. I won't go into all of the details, but it is a very sobering situation we find ourselves in. When we may face at some point in the not too distant future uh, battles on two fronts, uh, two theaters of war, which we are not prepared to undertake at this point and certainly will not be prepared to undertake in the future. Meanwhile, does New York Zoo elephant, uh, New York Zoo elephant have human rights? The state Supreme Court is going to decide that question for New York. Now, this is interesting At a time when the U.S. Supreme Court is going to weigh in on whether or not the Constitution provides for abortion on demand, there's a debate going on as to whether or not elephants have personhood uh, and have uh, access to or are entitled to human rights. Well, the court will decide whether an elephant can be a person. Happy the Elephant is a resident of the Bronx Zoo in New York, is being considered for release by the state's top court. Happy is 51 has lived in the zoo since 1977. However, an animal rights group launched a coordinated campaign to free her in 2018, declaring Happy eligible for the rights of a person under the New York law. Now, an unborn child does not have the right to personhood in utero, and yet they've gone to bat for the elephant. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't go to bat for an elephant, but perhaps should broaden your view of personhood and the value and the rights of those who fall under that moniker. Well, held in isolation, elephants become bored, depressed, aggressive, catastrophic, or catatonic, which is pretty much the same. 
um, and fail to thrive. That's what the uh, uh, non-human rights project wrote. Human caregivers are no substitute for the numerous complex social relationships and the rich gestured and vocal communication exchanges that occur between free living elephants. I'm not sure an elephant held in captivity for 51 years would be able to adjust and adapt. But really, the larger issue is personhood of the animal. While lower courts have repeatedly upheld the ruling that Happy is not a person, non-human rights project is hoping the top court will overturn that decision. Again, rather ironic, given the debate and the uh, pronouncement that um, this is going to be the summer of rage and that women will be non-governable. It's an actual quote from the recent event, non-governable. Now, what that means exactly, not altogether clear. Well, the Oklahoma legislature approved a law on Thursday that would ban almost all abortions from the moment of fertilization, sending the bill to Republican Governor Kevin Stitt to sign the law, which uh, constitutes the most sweeping pro-life legislation passed by any state, allows anyone to sue a doctor or other person who aids or abets an abortion from the moment of fertilization for up to ten thousand dollars. And while modeled on Texas ban on abortions upon detection of a fetal heartbeat, the Oklahoma law would ban almost all abortions with exceptions for cases of rape and incest. The bill would go into effect immediately upon receiving the governor's signature, although with the uh, Roe versus Wade intact and the debate um, being settled in the Supreme Court on the Casey uh, case, it's not altogether clear this would be considered enforceable. But if that decision is made and released as the preliminary uh, decision uh, would indicate, this could, in fact, become the law. In Oklahoma, the proposed law is among several similar restrictions on abortion that Oklahoma government has already approved in anticipation of a potential reversal of that infamous 1973 Supreme Court decision, Roe versus Wade. One of those restrictions includes a law declaring it a felony offense to perform an abortion, uh, which will take effect in August unless a court challenge blocks it. Well, consumer prices rose 8.6% last year, the highest inflation since 1981. And the question is, what can Congress do? Well, first, stop the federal spending spree. That's not likely to happen. Spending soared from $4.76 trillion in 2019 to $6.79 trillion in 2020 and $7.02 trillion in 2021. The Federal Reserve has enabled much of this surge by printing dollars like crazy. Well, printing has consequences when it's being done by the Federal Reserve. In just two years, the Fed has used these newly minted bills to buy more than $3 trillion in government bonds, as well as trillions more of other financial assets like corporate bonds and mortgage securities. In printing money to cover these purchases while holding interest rates at near zero, the Fed has spurred an expansion of the money supply by nearly 50 percent in just two years. Well, using money that's created out of thin air to finance government spending comes at a cost. Today's soaring prices and a decline in real incomes, part of that cost, Congress needs to curb the spending fast. Well, second, stop subsidizing the housing market. Congress subsidized the mortgage market through government-sponsored enterprises, specifically Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Jenny Mae. The government-sponsored enterprises issued more than 90% of all residential mortgage-backed securities. And by underwriting artificially low rates, Fannie Mae and Freddie and Jenny induce and enable borrowers to take out bigger loans, feeding the rise in housing prices and 
pricing out new buyers, especially young families. May seem like a good idea when you're trying to buy a home, but there are consequences to the way the government spends money. We're going to take a quick break, uh, but we'll continue looking at some of the day's news and maybe another suggestion or two as to what Congress can do to curb inflation. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're looking at some of the uh, day's headlines and coming up in the second half of this hour, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news and in our second hour, the Christian outlook. Well, the Fed, we've been talking about consumer prices. They rose 8.6% last year, the highest inflation rate since 1981 and what Congress can do. The Fed has helped throw gas on this inflationary fire. They purchased $1.2 trillion of mortgage-backed securities from the government-sponsored enterprises since March of 2020. It now owns $2.7 trillion of these securities, an increase of 125% that it held in March of that same year. Well, as a consequence, from the start of the pandemic through February of this year, home prices soared 33%. They are up 19.5% in just the last 12 months, and that dwarfs the prior 12-month jump of 7.1%. Adjusted for inflation, residential property prices now exceed the all-time record levels of the 2006 housing bubble. Home prices are now rising far faster than family income. Now, the home price to medium income ratio stands um, exceeds 7.2, eclipsing the 7.03 peak in late 2005. Compare that to a ratio of well under 5.0 from 1980 to 2000. In less than 18 months, mortgage payments based on medium home prices have increased nearly 50% due to the rise in prices combined with the near doubling of mortgage rates. Well, there's more that could be said. But third, the third thing that Congress could do to address this, Congress should stop the war on work and on energy. Now, how is that? How likely is that under the current administration and configuration in Congress? Well, not very likely. The flow of unemployment bonuses, stimulus checks and other assorted benefits combined with a threatened occupational safety and health administration vaccine mandate, these incentivized a return to work even as localities reopened after lockdowns everywhere you go understaffed and offering to pay more than they can very likely afford to get people back behind the counter or behind the cash register well now congress threatens to enact restrictions on gig workers who compete with unions and to advanced forced unionization congress should abandon this labor suppressing agenda So non-union workers who make up 90 percent of American workers can get a job. Congress also should refuse to support the Biden administration's war on affordable, abundant fossil fuels, in part because of policies and threatening uh, rhetoric designed to discourage new domestic production. Oil prices nearly doubled over the past year and U.S. production remains more than 10 percent below pre-pandemic levels. Well, as um, far left environmental groups block natural gas pipeline projects, Parts of the Northeast continue to pay electricity prices several times higher than what customers elsewhere pay. Congress possesses the power to clarify or rewrite regulations that inhibit our access to affordable energy. But again, not likely under the current administration and Congress. If Congress stops the federal spending spree, stops subsidizing the housing market and stops the war against workers and energy, inflation pressures will ease significantly. But... Not very likely.
Well, Tesla and SpaceX founder Elon Musk's $44 billion deal, at least that's where it stands now. His deal to purchase Twitter has been put on hold following his concern that the social media giant hasn't been entirely honest about the percentage of accounts that are, well, fake. In a telling back and forth on the platform with current Twitter CEO and Musk, uh, Musk said that according to his own people's estimates, at least 20 percent of Twitter's accounts are fake users or spam bots. Now, Musk said Twitter is grossly undercounted its numbers of fake accounts. Well, indeed, the gulf is a wide one. Our actual internal estimates for the last four quarters were well under 5 percent, the CEO said. Uh, The error margins uh, on our estimates give us confidence in our public statements each quarter, he went on to assure Musk. Uh, He then interestingly added, unfortunately, we don't believe this specific estimation can be performed externally, given the critical need to use both public and private information, which we can't share. Externally, it's not even possible to know which accounts are counted um, as uh, DAUs or monetizable daily active users. On any given day. Well, not particularly reassuring for uh, a purchaser with $44 billion um, in the balance. In other words, the CEO, the current CEO, is saying that Musk cannot know the genuine number or percentage of fake accounts without Twitter's internal data. And evidently, he cannot have that data until the sale is complete. Now, Musk, for his part, has drawn a line in the sand. My offer was based on Twitter's SEC filings being accurate, he said. Twitter's CEO publicly refused to show proof of less than 5%. This deal cannot move forward until he does. And that pretty much is a summation of the uh, the stalemate. Meanwhile, while we're waiting to see what happens next, Twitter announced the rollout of a crisis misinformation policy which will seek to suppress posts that uh, co- the company deems viral misinformation. So not just misinformation, but viral misinformation by their definition. The social media platform announced the policy Thursday with an official blog post. The feature would allow Twitter representatives to censor or um, handicap posts that determined uh, they determined to be misleading or false. The company claimed that the suppression tools will only be used in the case of a humanitarian crisis. Now, how they define humanitarian crisis remains to be seen. Meanwhile, Vice President Kamala Harris was uh, taken uh, has has uh, been tasked rather by the president with leading the administration's effort to combat root causes of the crisis at the southern border more than a year ago. But now with massive numbers again amassing at the border, the matter is barely appearing on her schedule. The vice president was assigned by the president in March of 2021 to lead diplomatic talks with Mexico and the northern triangle countries of Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador to tackle the root causes such as poverty, violence and climate change. It proved a politically tricky assignment for the vice president, who was quickly dubbed the border czar at a time when the border was um, undergoing a major crisis with spiking migrant encounters that critics have blamed on the administration's immigration policies. 
The administration has instead said that a combination of root causes and the shutting of legal asylum pathways by the Trump administration is to blame. Once again, they're not to blame for virtually anything under their watch. Well, the vice president soon took off on a trip to Guatemala and Mexico, where she touted U.S. investments in agribusiness, affordable housing, worker protections and women's empowerment and education, uh, while also calling for anti-corruption efforts uh, from those countries. However, issues like Mexico's refusal to take back migrant families were not discussed. The border czar. She immediately faced pressure on what she uh, hadn't been to the U.S. border, to which she quipped that she also hadn't been to Europe. Not exactly a laughing matter. A border visit to the relatively quiet sector of El Paso soon followed in the last days of June. She had also announced a call to action for private sector investment in Central America, in which companies like MasterCard, Microsoft, Nespresso, and the World Economic Forum have made commitments to support inclusive economic development in the region. At that border visit in June, she said the administration had made extreme progress in tackling the crisis. Now, apparently it's not visible extreme progress as the numbers surge. And when Title 42 is lifted in just a week, it will be a disaster, according to border security. After the border visit in June, events related to the issue dried up, even as the border crisis continued to rage through the rest of the year. An L.A. Times tracker notes two limited press events that mention immigration in August and nothing since. And again, when 42 is lifted, things are going to get Really, really rough. Hey, you're listening to the Georgian Rice Show. Just uh, taking a look at some of the news items. We're going to take a break in just a few moments. We'll uh, return with the lighter side of the news, and I'll be joined by James Blend. So stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, and James Blend joins me to take a look at the lighter side of the news. Welcome, James. Well, I thank you. It's uh, nice to be at Friday. Yes, it is. Very nice. Well, a tale of how Clayburg County two-year-old ordered 31 cheeseburgers to his home. Now, this is a story that you passed along to me. We're talking about a two-year-old. How does a two-year-old order 31 cheeseburgers to his home? Well, a Ricardo mother received an unexpected notification on Monday that left her rather confused. She's from Kingsville, Texas. Kelsey Golden read a message from DoorDash saying her order was going to take a little longer than usual because the size of the order was rather large. 31 cheeseburgers. Well, she later discovered the reason was because her youngest son, the two-year-old Barrett, placed an order through McDonald's for a total of 31 cheeseburgers. Well, the shocked mother of three said that she was working on her computer and didn't realize her two-year-old son had a hold of her unlocked phone. He usually likes to take pictures of himself, and so he was doing that. I thought I'd lock the phone, but apparently I didn't because then DoorDash came with 31 cheeseburgers. She has three kids. Well, Golden and her family are in the process of moving, so she'd been extremely busy juggling work and the kids. She ordered lunch for her kids before uh, through DoorDash. However, she had uh, had it sent to their school, not their home. Well, the nearest McDonald's is about six miles away. So she was amazed when she heard a knock on the door and the delivery driver handed her what Barrett ordered. With 31 cheeseburgers in hand, Golden had no idea what to do with the rest of the food. 
She said she didn't know what to do with them. People on Facebook reached out to stop by and pick up some cheeseburgers. She posted the whole affair there, while others tried to give her some advice on how to store the food or give it away. Uh, The total amount of the order was $61.58. But the little fellow was feeling generous and didn't forget to tip the DoorDash driver $16. Well, after fees, the total of the uh, entire order was $91.70. And Golden, in other words, Mom, has a priceless story to tell about her cheeseburger-loving son for many years to come. My guess is, when that little boy... Uh, stands at the head of the aisle and his bride approaches him or at the uh, meal immediately following this story is somehow going to make the cut of things that are brought up about this little guy when he was two you would have to think so i mean uh, that's just i mean that's a lot of cheeseburgers 91 dollars and 70 cents at least he was generous with the 16 plus dollar tip for the uh, doordash driver yeah absolutely i mean that you know you, you you got to be generous with your tips at an early age, and apparently he has been taught right there, uh, just not right about uh, using mom's cell phone. Yeah, generous with tips when it's somebody else's money. Well, you probably heard something of this story, but uh, the House of Representatives, they too are very generous, very generous when it comes to their own. The House is uh, planning to give staff free Peloton memberships, Costing taxpayers. Now, my understanding is they're also going to get the equipment. The benefit is being offered to Capitol Police officers and House staff. Citron Research founder Andrew Left discussed why he believes Peloton should invest um, in these House members. Well, the House of Representatives is planning to announce that they will give staffers and did announce, I should say, um, in Washington, D.C. and in their district offices, free Peloton membership using taxpayer dollars each month. With the skyrocketing inflation. Why? Well, because they can. According to a draft email uh, from the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer, the premier employee benefit, which will uh, also be made available to all Capitol Police, will provide staffers with both Peloton All Access and a Peloton App membership at no monthly cost. Beginning May 18th, which was just a couple of days ago, the government contract with fitness giant Peloton under efforts from the House Center for Well-Being, will be offering to the estimated 10,000 people on staff working for the House of Representatives and about 2,300 Capitol Police officers. A source familiar with the matter said that the uh, contract uh, cost is uh, a $10,000 upfront payment to Peloton, plus extra $10 per month charge for each staffer or uh, officer that utilizes the benefits. If 12,000 staffers took advantage of the benefit, it would cost taxpayers $120,000 a month. $120,000 a month to provide Peloton membership. Now, my understanding is these people are paid fairly well. They have good benefits. And Peloton membership has been added. Well, I think, you know, for for, for uh, those who are thinking long term, I think if the, the pandemic taught us anything is... Nobody really uses their Peloton for long. Is that supposed to be <laughs> to be a bit comforting? Yes. Yeah, that, that, I was going for the comfort there. Yeah, not quite. Uh, I mean, the fact that they came up with the idea to begin with. And Peloton is a pretty heavy donor, a uh, political donor as well. So there's some question about that connection. I wonder if Salem would be willing to, um, you know, pony up some money for, oh, I don't know, free donuts. Um 
exercise equipment? Uh, I, well, you, that that kind of balances itself out, though. If you get the exercise equipment of the donuts, you're basically a broken even, haven't you? <laughs> well, maybe so. Anyway, this just, it chaps my hide. I will just say that. Wow. And I'm also looking, searching the want ads for a position with the U.S. House of Representatives. Well, um, I thought this was rather funny from the Babylon Bee. Disinformation board narrowly outlasts CNN+. Plus. Now, that's saying something these days. They write, in its first big win since the inauguration in 2021, the Biden administration announces that the Disinformation Governance Board has narrowly outlasted failed subscription program CNN+. Plus. Citing the first bit of positive news for the White House, Disinformation Board head Nina Jankowitz announced her resignation, saying she was excited to continue fighting disinformation on TikTok by singing more lovely show tunes. If you haven't seen that um, display, you might want to check it out. Lasting three weeks, despite receiving billions of threatening memes uh, from Russia-backed Jack um, Pasobiec and his followers, has only galvanized my resolve to fight disinformation, sang Jankowitz to to the tune of South Pacific's I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. Well, the White House uh, released a statement thanking Jankowicz uh, for all her hard work defeating disinformation and wished her well in future endeavors that would surely be far, far away from any future government position. They added that the disinformation board was all her idea and never theirs. And they actually had doubts about the whole idea in the first place, but never wrote them, uh, wrote them down. So you'll just have to trust them on that. Again, this is the Babylon Bee. CNN's Chris Wallace could not be reached for comment as he was busy with his new gig as a cultural correspondent for a local community college television station. I thought that was pretty funny. By the way, Wallace has been given an actual program on CNN, which is set to begin at some point. Uh, not to he he was uh, taken from Fox to CNN Plus, where he was going to be giving given an outsized role that fizzled. So he will actually have a program. You know, the CNN Plus thing, I mean, in this whole thing that we refer to these days as the streaming wars, by by far the uh, fastest crash and burn. So, you know, when, when yeah, that really is saying something that uh, the disinformation campaign uh, didn't last much differently. Yeah. Very telling. Did you know that yesterday, Thursday, was National Notebook Day? I did not. You Are had we talking no about idea. notebooks as in what you write in or the obnoxious novel from the 90s? Well, that's a good, good, good question. National Notebook Day is celebrated annually on the third Thursday of May. It was founded by a notebook company in 2016 to celebrate the practice of writing on paper. So that answers your question. The holiday, everything's a holiday now. The holiday was first inaugurated in 2016 by custom notebook company May Designs, uh, which said in a press release that it wanted to celebrate bound paper notebooks as a refreshing holdout from another generation. The notebook and planner community is so vibrant and alive, they said. That's a a quote from the CEO, Micah May, back in 2016. If anything, our customers have become even more dedicated to paper over the past few years. There's this amazing connection between writing something down that you can't get typing um, uh, into your phone or your laptop, end quote. Well, other holidays and observances that also fell on yesterday, Boys Club Day, Brown Baggett Thursday, Celebrate Your Elected Officials Day, Global Accessibility Awareness Day, Hepatitis Testing Day, Malcolm X Day, May Ray Day, National Aperitif Day, National Asian and Pacific Islander HIV, uh, I think there's supposed to be a comma there, 
uh, Islanders Day, HIV AIDS Awareness Day, National Devil's Food Cake Day, Plant Something Day, and World IBD Day. And you missed all of it, I'm guessing. You know, it's it's interesting. You talk about how the uh, paper company started Notebook Day. Uh, a lot of these holidays have been started by, you know, companies and whatnot uh, trying to, uh, you know, let's be honest, sell some product. Um, so the question is, is there, a, can, is there a self-serving holiday we can come up with? Well, that's a good question. What might we come up with? Hmm. Got any ideas? I'll have to think about it during the break, I guess. Yeah. Are we going to break right now? Yeah, we, we, we have to have our brainstorming session, so we'll take a break now. All right, we'll do just that. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Along with James Blend, we're taking a look at the lighter side of the news. A few moments ago before the break, we talked about National Notebook Day and other days Uh, that are celebrated on the 19th, that was yesterday, but today is National Rescue Dog Day, National Quiche Lorraine Day, National Pizza Party Day, National Pick Strawberries Day, I did that once, that's a whole story in and of itself, National Endangered Species Day, National Defense Transportation Day, National Bike to Work Day, oops, I took the car, East Timor Independence Day, National Bike to School Day. Well, at least I'm out of school, so that's not an an issue. NASCAR Day, National Be a Millionaire Day. And it's um, Cher's birthday, if you you care to send a card or a message. I, I don't. National Millionaire Day, or Be a Millionaire Day. How on earth do you? I'd like to celebrate that. Yeah, how do you go about that? I don't know. Can you celebrate it if you're not yet a millionaire? I don't. It's probably a little disingenuous. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like Barbara Streisand singing Christmas songs. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, she did that. Never mind. <laughs> oh boy. Well, a woman in England revealed that she has eaten very well for free for the past month. Now we're all um, sort of wrestling with the high price of food and fuel and. Virtually everything. Well, one man's trash is another man's three-course dinner. And she says she's eaten very well and for free while helping her community do the same simply by hanging around local supermarket dumpsters, which, by the way, supermarkets frown upon. The 62-year-old was on her way into her local market in Northampton, East Midlands, to go grocery shopping when she noticed a supermarket worker about to trash 10 bags of food. She thought, surely they're not going to throw that out, so she followed. Uh, She stopped the worker and asked if she could take the bags and uh, had a peek inside. When she looked, she thought, wow, she said other things. She was gobsmacked, which they often say there. I was disgusted and thrilled and excited all at the same time. For the last month, the Freegan has survived eating three meals a day solely supplied by her supermarket trash after she was sickened by seeing the fresh fruit, the vegetables, the meat and ready meals going to waste. She's since been dining on lamb chops, whole chickens, ready meals, curries, apple pies, fancy chocolates, all saved from the dumpster. Huh. She says, I've eaten for free for a month now, and I've eaten better, fresher food than I've ever eaten. I eat fresh fruit every day. I don't um, take things that are out of date or go uh, in the old bins for old food. All the food would have been sold 10 minutes earlier. 
Well, yesterday I had scrambled eggs on toast, all free for lunch. I had uh, potatoes, spinach, and tomato curry. The only thing I had uh, myself uh, that she had already had were oils and spices in the evening. She'd roasted vegetables and couscous and apple pie, eaten good in the neighborhood out of a dumpster. And she's uh, done that now for a full month. Yeah, no, no. I don't think I could do that. Now, I always thought that food that went into the dumpster was expired. And I know people don't like to buy food that looks bad. So maybe vegetables or fresh food that didn't look good. But uh, she said this, uh, she's not taking things that are expired. So maybe the the standard there is a little bit different. But she's uh, quite pleased with herself. Apparently. Well, a brewery in Helsinki, that's in Finland, um, is anticipating changes in the country. A small brewery there has launched a NATO-themed adult beverage to mark the Nordic country's bid to join the Western Military Alliance. Olaf's Brewing Company, the lager, features a blue label with a cartoon version of a uh, beer-drinking medieval knight in a metal armor emblazoned with NATO's compass symbol. Well, the uh, adult beverage's name is a play on the Finnish expression, uh, which means I'll have a beer and the French abbreviation for NATO, which is OTAN. The North Atlantic uh, Treaty Organization has two official languages, English and French. The CEO told the Associated Press on Thursday that the craft brewery ad hoc decision last weekend to start producing the uh, adult beverage was motivated by worries over the war in Ukraine and its consequences for Finland. He described the new uh, lager as having a taste of security with a hint of freedom. So Finland and Sweden, very serious. They've already now officially filed their, uh, I'm not sure it's a petition or request, but their paperwork to become members of NATO. Precisely what Vladimir Putin indicated he did not want, an expansion of NATO. He was hoping it would uh, simply uh, wither and die. Not the case. Well, you're a you're a, a superhero kind of guy, aren't you? I mean, you're into. I suppose so. Yeah. Well, I, Twitter I is going fair. wild over Joe Biden. No, 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 not the president. Joe Biden, the Spider Man villain. Are you aware of this? No, I'm not. He is apparently a super villain, and not just in the eyes of many conservatives. Marvel fans are losing their minds on Twitter about learning of an obscure Spider Man villain who shares a name with the current U.S. president. Um, one uh, flabbergasted writer sent a tweet with more than 120,000 likes. The fan also included a Wikipedia page for the minor league baddie, whose name is indeed Joe Biden. Uh, the president doppel, uh, presidential doppelganger, whose villainous alter ego is called Spectrum, first appeared in uh, Peter Parker number one back in 2010. When the real Biden, 79, was the U.S. vice president under Barack Obama. The page even includes an out-of-date disclaimer to warn readers that the web slinger's nemesis is not to be confused with then-vice president Joe Biden. Well, per the page, Spectrum also appeared in, P- in uh, Peter Parker volumes 11 through 14 and also had a cameo in Dead Man Logan volume 12. Well, needless to say, Spider-Man buffs couldn't believe that their two worlds had collided in such a bizarre Fashion. So Joe Biden, a Spider-Man villain, apparently one of the lesser villains, but uh, nonetheless in the Spider-Verse. That's impressive. Is it? I, I think. Is it impressive? I mean, you know, you, you figure it's spelt the same even, right? Yeah, it is.
That's, I mean, that can't be total coincidence, especially when he was in the public eye as the vice president, but it's still interesting nonetheless. Yeah, it is. It'd be interesting to learn the backstory behind that. But he is a lesser villain, so there you go. A lesser villain. Well, a Japanese woman is being compared to Elastigirl from The Incredibles due to her wondrously stretchy, nearly two-inch-long earlobes. No, she didn't have them deliberately stretched. She's not fitting them for those plugs that you see uh, some people wearing. She just has very flexible two-inch-long earlobes, which can hold a selfie stick, write with a pen, and other uh, physics-defying feats. Uh, There are clips showcasing her putty-like appendages, and they've racked up more than 5 million views online. As long as I can remember, my earlobes have been elastic, so they're not always two inches long, but she can pull them that long, allowing her to wrap them around various items like a lemur's tail. Um, That way, she can accomplish certain tasks that would normally require three hands. Accompanying footage shows the 37-year-old Tokyo resident furling her elastic danglers around a selfie stick so she can snap a picture of herself clutching her dog without um, asking for help. Another snippet shows her using her loopy lobes to hold an umbrella um, while both hands are occupied with groceries. In perhaps the most impressive stunt, the singer-turned-choreographer is seen doing hands-free calligraphy by grasping the brush with her lobe and moving her head so it traces a character on the page. Her name is Takata. Uh, She said that she first noticed her unusual talent when she was in elementary school. It was a rainy day and my hands were full, so she tried to hold the umbrella with her earlobe, and she actually could. Well, fast forward to the present, and Takata can grasp everything from calligraphy brushes to cleaning appliances in her lobes. I'm not sure I would want to, but she's one of a kind. I, you know, I, the, the, the uh, I feel bad. The first thing when I hear two, you know, two inch long earlobes, the first thing I think about is Dumbo. But that's obviously, you know, that's not. Or the song, nice. Do Your Ears Hang Low. No, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. that too. Yeah, but she's proud of those lobes. And again, they don't hang two inches all the time, but she can actually stretch them two inches and. It's like they have pipe cleaners in them. She's able to wrap them around something, and they stay where she puts them. Lend me your ears. (laughs) Well, a British man spent 36 hours rocking back and forth in a swing set to break a Guinness World Record. Okay, it's not really worth mentioning. It's just so odd. I thought I would. This is a 51-year-old man who apparently doesn't have anything better to do. He lives in Kinross, England. He started swinging at 6.10 a.m. on Saturday. Um... And finished Sunday evening. He was allowed a five-minute break for each hour he spent on the swing. And he saved up his breaks um, to take a 3 a.m. nap. His 36-hour swinging marathon broke the record of 34 hours, which was set um, in October of 2020. The Rotary Club in that area, where Scott is a member, shared video of the record attempt on Facebook, which was rather monotonous, him swinging forward and backward. And forward and backward for 36 hours, save the breaks that he was allowed. It's been good. The tops of my legs are a wee bit sore, but apart from that, I've been fine. It's been a good experience, he said, in what way, I wonder. It's been challenging, but it's been really good. I'm very excited. Well, congratulations to Richard Scott, 51, of Kinross, England, for having wasted 36 hours 
rocking back and forth on a swing. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, we're going to um, share this week's Christian Outlook. A lot to talk about, so stick around. We'll be back after news and traffic here at the top of the hour. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.